When I stand up to preach the gospel, I often preach to people who have no idea who God is because they worship idols, very terrible idols. Uh, they, they spread the table for their gods. And I tell them that the Christian God does it the other way around. He spreads the table for his children. And in other, the other religions, the people always seek God. In the Christian faith, God seeks man. Okay, that's going to be a lot of fun. I want to encourage you to come, um, especially if, if you're bored, like you're just bored with stuff. Just you need to come to this. Um, one of our friends of, of, our, of this house, Jake Hamilton's involved in this. He's been filmed in it a couple of times, and uh, he's going to be visiting us in October um, with another release of another film. So it's kind of a little bit of a primer to, to get your, your appetite wet for what he was up to uh, all over the world. And... Um, he, he went to India, Varnasi, India, which is like the darkest of the darkest places that you could possibly go to. Uh, I was there a while back, and yeah, it, it's creepy. And so, uh, so I like, can I go, Jake? He says, no, you can't go. Come on, please. He says, I can't let you go. I'm like, all right. But anyway, uh, it's going to be a great thing. I want, the, the purpose of Wednesday night is I want to show you what God is doing all around the world. Because it, maybe it feels like he's just not doing it in Southern California. You're like, you know, God really real? I, I don't know. Um, there are more miracles that are going on today than there were in biblical times. It's just, they're just happening in different countries. So I, I want to I expose uh, our church and our culture to what God is doing all around the world. And I want to give you a forum to ask questions, to say what, to, to think, and to talk about it. So we'll be doing roundtables, so you'll have a chance to talk if you want to, or just observe and, and, and soak it in. It's going to be great. I encourage you to come out. Um, we stopped, we ended the Gospel According to Disney last week. So, oh, I know. It was, wasn't that a lot of fun? Um, I don't know. No one dressed up. So I don't know if I'm, if I'm relieved or disappointed that no one dressed up coming to church, but no one did. So it's like, whew, but, you know, it could have been a little weird. But you guys, you guys were awesome. And you know what? I, we got nothing but positive feedback uh, from this series. No one complained. I didn't get any nasty letters from anyone, and that was very encouraging to me. And you know what? It was a bit of a stretch. I mean, we were showing cartoons in church. I thought somebody was going to get mad, and, no, and, and, and maybe you did. Maybe it really wasn't your thing. Maybe you thought it was a little, I don't know, irrever irreverent or whatever. And if that was you, and if you stuck it out, and if you put up with cartoons in church, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for, for, for having an open mind about it and not being, you know, you, you're welcome to your opinions, but not having a critical spirit about it. Um, it, it was a stretch, but you know what it did? It, it, it was a platform for people to see and hear the gospel message in a different way. It was the most shared series that we've ever done on the church, on, on our internet. So it just was a huge, huge deal. So thank you for, for uh, partnering with us on getting that, that series out. We'll 
probably do the gospel according to Star Wars next year. So um, I'll have, oh, I got, wow, I got some woos on that. Okay, well, we'll see how it goes. Um, we have other crazy ideas. Um, this is a, today's a standalone sermon, and we're going to be talking about you know, recovering your lost spirituality, and then next week is another standalone sermon uh, on, on, on justice. There's a lot of crazy things that are going on in this world. Um, we have brothers and sisters in Christ that are losing their lives, that are losing their families. We have kids who are being abused, being sold into slavery. And uh, it, it's uh, some of the themes that we talk about in Granite Creek is, is you know, personal growth and spirituality and family, uh, community. But another big driving theme that Granite Creek is committed to is justice. And so Pastor Larry is going to be talking next week on, on justice and about uh, the, the kingdom of God active. And so it's going to kind of be a mission Sunday next week. Uh, if you are brokenhearted and disturbed about what's going on in the world, you need to come next week. Um, it's going to be, it will be good, I promise you. Uh, today, again, we're, we're going to be talking about um, rediscovering or just you know, recovering, recovering your lost spirituality. Uh, I have been saved for, I don't want to say how long, but I got saved when I was seven years old in my, in my parents' kitchen. It's when I received Jesus into my heart. And even though that I was a kid, maybe I didn't really understand it intellectually, I got it. Like, I knew Jesus as a child, and it was powerful, and it was poignant. And then I had other major milestones in my life where I experienced, either I experienced the, the concept, the idea, the, the power of God's grace, or, or the power, of, uh, the presence of God, or it, it just, you know, incredible milestones in my life where God was very present. And then, in my life, there has been seasons. We call them seasons of spiritual dryness, of just, you know, praying and praying and not really, and not feeling like I can hear God. And like my prayers only go up as high as the ceiling and then they bounce back down. They don't go anywhere. Do you, do you anybody have your experience? Is it just me? Is it just me? Okay, I get an amen. All right, Janie hears me. But okay, you know what? This is, it happens, Right? We, we go through spiritual dryness, and our relationship with God wasn't what it once was at one, at one time. Uh, that intensity has gone away, or that love and that passion, that drive, the sharpness has, has, has gone away. Now, don't, don't be too discouraged if you've, if you've experienced you know, spiritual dryness in your life. There's a way out of it. There's a way around it. It can be conquered. Um, but you also need to know that it is part of our human condition. It's just our apathy towards God is it's built into us. Uh, there's an artist that captured this idea better than anybody else. If you could pull that up. It's on your bulletins, too, if you want to get your bulletins out. And this is Michelangelo's The Creation of Adam. Uh, we have overused this image, um, um, you know, a lot in, in, in Christianity. This was even on our business cards, you know, about years back. Remember that? You know, the fingers touching. We had that a while back. And... Um, so it's kind of way overused. Got a nice censored version of this because you can't, you know, it would be awkward to show the whole thing in church. Um, but um, so we have God, and then God is in the art, art uh, historians and art critics say that, that the, the thing that is around God is, is actually a, the, the cutaway of a brain, which is really interesting. And then there's all these people that are in this brain that kind of symbolize people that will be born someday. Uh, and God is actually very, you know, he's very active, and he's creating Adam. And what I want to look at is not God. I want to look at that guy. I want to look at Adam. And I, see, I think Michelangelo captures the essence of this so well because, um, well, Michelangelo was a tortured soul. He was a church boy, and he, just, he was frustrated, and, you know, he kind of got pushed around, but he was passionate that he understood the human condition. He gets it in Adam, because Adam is just like going, eh, <laughs> eh, Look at it. Look at, look at God's finger. God's finger is like, bam, and, and Adam is just like, eh, <laughs> 
I, I'm on my couch, God. I'm just lounging on my couch, and, and my, you know, I got my PlayStation here, and you're interrupting my time with my PlayStation. And see, this is this is how we are. This is uh, this is the sign of spiritual dryness. Uh, it is it is our inherent sin nature. This is this apathy that comes on where we just don't. Whether we like to admit it or not, we don't want to connect with God. We say we want to connect with God, but in reality, this is our spirit. And uh, so we're going to be looking at the, 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 what, what causes spiritual dryness. And the one thing that causes spiritual dryness is that we fall into a, a rut or a, you know, a rhythm, and we, just, we, kinda, we lose track of what's really important. And um, we're going to be looking at a, at a verse today that, that will highlight what it means to or how to get out of a spiritual rut. And if you want to get your Bibles out, we're going to look at 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 6. I'm going to read it off the screen today. You got that up there? Okay. Uh, this is the story of Elisha. Uh, he has uh, set up for himself a nice little seminary. So he's got all these little followers. He's got some college students that are hanging out with him because he's, not only is he really smart, but he's all of these acts of God are following him. And he says, um, in the company of the prophets, in other translations it says the sons of the prophets. So these are young men. Uh, in the company of the prophets, they said to Elijah, look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let's go down to the Jordan, that's the Jordan River, uh, where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to meet. And he said, Elijah said, go, you can do it. Then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? Sure, I will, Elijah replied. And when he went with them, uh, they went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh, no, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. Oh, that's complicated. Next one. The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elijah cut a stick. He threw it in there. And, uh, and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand, and he took it. This is a really bizarre story. It's, it's a standalone uh, chapter. It's kind of completely out of context. It, it just, God, uh, God just put this in here. And he had, why? Why is this story in the Bible? This is a really bizarre story. What does it mean? You know, a, a guy loses... It flies off the handle. Have you ever flown off the handle? I think this is where we get it. So the axe head flies off the handle, lands in the, in the river, and it floats up to the top? Why? What, what, does, this, what does this all mean? And there's a, one thing that we, when we get into this message, one thing that you need to know about the axe head, well, there's a couple of things you need to know about it. One is it, it represents something spiritually. It represents power. It represents a sharpness. It represents God's sharpness, God's power in your life. It is, it is divine power. That's one thing that it represents. And the other thing, interesting thing about this axe head, you might think to yourself, oh, no big deal, an axe head. Well, for them, it was a big deal. This is the Iron Age. This is Iron Age too, And um, this is cutting-edge technology. This was rare. This was extremely expensive. Uh, the people in the uh, civilizations in the Iron Age, uh, if you were able to control and develop and manipulate iron, you were powerful. If you didn't, you were ruled. So iron, was, it's, it's, it's the new technology. It completely revolutionized the world. And I think it's significant for us because we live in an age where technology is revolutionizing our world almost every 10 years. And so there's, a, there's incredible parallels. Uh, uh, King David, you know, he, he began his ministry in the Iron Age. And, and so there was a, almost like a technology that was inside of, of, his, of that movement and that ministry driving. There was a driving force of it, uh, if you could say. And so in a lot of ways, you know, we, Granite Creek has a Facebook page, right? That's, to, that's a driving technology. 
Uh, you have your cell phones and you have your laptops. And so what I want you to, to understand about you know, the student that loses his axe head, it'd be like, um, like if you let some college student borrow your, your laptop and he, he loses it in the river, or you, lose, you drop your cell phone in the river. That's what's going on here. So there was a loss of something that was precious. There was a loss of something that was technical, but it has a very important spiritual implication to it. And so uh, what does he do, right? What, is, uh, what does the student do? He does something that most, I don't know, most people tend not to do, is that he admits it. So if you've got your outlines, let's take a look at you know, some ways that we can uh, overcome or get by uh, have victory over spiritual dryness. The first thing that you got to do is that you have to admit, you have to admit it to yourself that you've lost your cutting edge. And what does the student do? He says, I've lost my ax head and it was borrowed. Uh, usually when we lose something, the, the inclination is to, if you lost something or if you broke it, the inclination is to, to get the super glue out and to try and fix it before you have to give it back, right? Or to make up a story, to make up a lie, run away. You don't want to deal with the consequences. But uh, what this guy, what, what he does, he does the right thing. He admits it. He's like, I have lost it. And when we have lost our, our connection to God, when we have lost our spiritual fervor or our vi- spiritual vitality, um, the hardest thing to do is to admit that we've lost it. Because that requires humility. But it, it, it's the first thing that you've got to do. You have to say to yourself, to God, to your friends, I have lost that loving feeling. Oh, I'm not going to sing for you. That loving feeling. Uh, but I've lost it. But see, our our nature, our inclination is not to admit that we've lost something. Our inclination and our nature is to cover it up or to pretend like we haven't lost it. And so these are, these are some obstacles that come into play uh, when, when you've lost your, your, you know, your sharpness, your spiritual sharpness. And here's your alternatives that we use. Uh, you, use you use excuses. Well, once I was on fire for God and I was spiritually sharp and I was really into what God was doing, now I'm old. So I'm going to allow the younger folks to do that. So you make excuses. So the, the, the kid said, you know, I lost my ax head. Looks like I don't have to chop down some trees anymore. It, it's a poor excuse. And so just because you've had a religious experience or you were on fire at one time, now you're not, doesn't, that's not an excuse. You are not making room for somebody else. You are not relinquishing, you know, some authority. Or you, you, should, it should, you should be on a, a, a level playing field here. So uh, we always like to make excuses. Just don't have to do it anymore. We'll let other people do it. Uh, there's more people that are more talented than I am. I'm tired. I deserve a break. Second thing, the second alternative is it, and, and we do this. Every believer does this, is that uh, we pretend to still have it and we keep chopping away vigorously. We pretend that we still have our spiritual tr- sharpness and we keep on doing the same things and we fake it. We pretend like we have it when we actually don't. And it would be like, you know, if this kid, you know, loses his axe head in the water and he's like, I haven't lost my axe head. I still got my stick. It's on there. Can't you see it? It's not on there. And he's whacking away trying to cut down trees with a stick. And he's not getting anywhere. And he's working harder and harder and harder. And he's still not getting anywhere. He, he, he's lost his, not only has he lost his connection, he's lost his power. He's lost that divine force, that, that tool that can actually get the job done. But we would rather fake it than be honest and admit that we've lost it. It's just easier for some reason. But in the long run, long run, we just wear ourselves out. And we lose that connection. We lose that sharpness. We lose that fervor for Christ. Uh, you know, the, one of the saddest things that, that I've seen, and it's, it's, it's illustrated in the Bible, is, is somebody that has lost that passion for Christ, and then they fake it. There's another word for it. It's called hypocrisy. 
It's really sad to see. Yeah, even, you know, Samson struggled with this too. Uh, Samson had lost his power and he didn't know it. Isn't that interesting? He lost his power, but he didn't realize that he'd lost his power. And then he gets whooped. But follow along and hopefully you won't get whooped someday. All right, so how can you tell when you've lost the cutting edge? This, how, can you lo- how can you tell when you've lost the fervor and the vitality that you once had? Uh, you start losing your love for God. You lose the love for your, the, that you once had for your first love. Uh, the, you've moved your relationship of one of delight into one of duty. So you serve God out of duty, not out of delight. You come to church because you feel like you have to, not because you really want to. You're giving out of a sense of guilt and not out of a sense of joy. So these are the areas where you know that you're losing it. You've lost your love for God. Revelation 2, verses 4 through 5 says, The love you had lost at first is gone. Is God telling you that today? The love you had at first, it's gone. Remember how you had fallen in love. Return to me and change the way that you think, change the way that you act, and do what you did at first. Interesting, huh? Another uh, telltale sign that you've lost your cutting edge is that you start losing your faith. Like faith, um, when I say faith, you just quit taking risk. Or you have lost um, the ability to see God's future for you. You've lost a vision. Your vision for life and what God wants you to do and, and your excitement, it's been narrowed. It's been, it's been clouded and you've, you've lost that direction. You've lost your, your faith drive. You're, you're not willing to step out as faith as you once were. It's like you haven't been working out your faith muscle. You haven't had a reason to. And uh, you, you'll see it when you've, when you've, when you've lost your faith. All right. David, the great father, the one that was connected to Jesus in the Old Testament, they had a New Testament revelation of, of what the kingdom was. Uh, a, an incredible man of faith struggled. He struggled with depression. He struggled with being uh, controlled by his circumstances. He was stabbed in the back. He was betrayed. He lost a lot. He gained a lot. And you know what? I mean, we read the beautiful Psalms. We read the, the stories of this man of faith. You know what he says? Psalms 73. He said, I have almost stopped believing. He says, all of my circumstances, all of this pain in my life has led me to the place where I have almost stopped believing. I have almost lost my faith. Wow. You see, he's being honest, right? David was incredibly honest with his spirituality. I've lost it. And it's better to be honest with God than going through and try to fake it. All right. Here's the question of all questions. I need you to pay attention to this. This is, you got to listen to this one. Has there ever been a time in your life when you were closer to God than you are right now? I'll say it again. Has there ever been a time in your life when you were closer to God than you are right now? I've asked myself that question. It's a hard question to ask. And if the answer is, no, I was closer to God 10 years ago than I am now, if that's the truth, what are you going to do about it? I can tell you for a fact that is not God's will. What are you going to do about it? Is that where you want to be with God? Do you want to have a, a relationship with God that is second best, that is mediocre, that is, you know, it's, okay, I used to be the good old days with God, and now I'm just going to settle with this. I, that is not God's will. God's will is for you to continue to increase in your spiritual maturity, to continue to increase in 
new revelation of who he is and how much he loves you and how much grace he can express towards you, there is no end to your spiritual growth. And the truth is, you ought to be more on fire for God than you were 10 years ago. That's where God wants you. But the reality is, and I'll speak honestly for myself, the reality is sometimes it's not true. You're experiencing these dry spells. What's the cause? Why? All right, you guys ready for this? Okay, uh, again, you have to admit it. The second thing that we got to do in recovering your spiritual sharpness or your spiritual vitality is that you have to acknowledge where you lost it. This is going to be hard. This is going to take some time of reflection. You're going to have to review your history. But where did you lose it? Like the young man who was honest, I lost, your, I, I lost an expensive tool. You know what he also does? He revisits his history and he goes back to where he lost it. Elijah's very wise. Where'd you lose it? And he knows exactly where he's lost it. I lost it right there. And he points specifically to where he has lost his sharpness, where he has lost his power. And when we feel dull, when we feel this spiritual dryness, all right. Let me review my history. Why, am, why is it this way? Because I know that God wants me here, and I obviously I feel like I'm here. So what happened? Was there a point in my life where there was a disappointment that disconnected me from God? Was there a point in my life where there was a tragedy that I didn't quite recover from? Was there a point in my life where I was just downright disobedient, and, and that disconnected me from God? So there's a number of things that can disconnect you from God. And in your bulletin, I put in a handful of them. And I want you to look at them. And if you want, you can check them. But let's take a look and see what they say. Um, what causes us to disconnect from God? One is that we get busy. It, it, we live in a busy, crazy culture. We move fast. We talk fast. If you don't think that you talk fast, uh, go up to the Pacific Northwest and ask for directions. <laughs> we talk fast. We don't know how to slow down. Um, summertime is supposed to be a time of relaxa- relaxation and rest. How many people have had really crazy busy summers? Is that just me? And we get into these busy, uh, frantic situations in our lives, and we don't realize that it, it, you can go three or four days and you haven't prayed. You can, go, you can go a week and you haven't read your Bible. All of a sudden, you realize that you've, you've, you've been disconnected from God. You don't know how it happened because everything is so busy. Distraction is one of the major things that keeps us from connecting with God. The next one is, um, well, God tells you to do something, and you, you ignore him. This happens. This, happen, this happens to me. Like God will give me opportunity, and he will lay it at my feet. Big, giant, neon flashing sign. Uh, 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 opportunity right here. Do this, do this, do this. Arrow pointing, arrow pointing. And this is God's, God's laying it out for me to do. And I choose not to do it. I don't want to do it. It's going to take too much time. It's going to take too much energy. It's going to be too much of an investment. I'm not going to do it. I'm out. I'm going to walk away from what you've called me to do. There's a word for that. And it's called disobedience. Disobedience is the, it is the number one uh, breakers of communication with you and God. If you choose to, to, you know, fluff something off just to ignore it, you're actually choosing to be disobedient to God's call on your life. And when you do, you, you sever part of your connection with God. It's like if God asks you to do something and you ignore it, why is he going to talk to you vividly more? Why is he going to put another neon sign in your way? He wants communication with you. But if you don't respond, if you don't, if you don't say, okay, I'm going to pay attention, I'm going to do what you say, if you're disobedient, he can't talk with you. So that's, that's a big one. Next one. Uh, you know, this is a problem in our current culture is that uh, we get... We stop depending on God because we can depend on our own power. 
We can depend on our own skills and our own abilities. You know, we, we, we can depend on our education. We can depend on our finances. We can depend on our family. We can depend on the medical uh, industry. We don't need to depend on God. And so we can choose to be self-sufficient rather than trusting God. Uh, we stop depending on him. I don't, I, don't need to pay, I don't need to pray for this situation in my life because I can fix it myself. Like I have a breakdown in a, in a relationship, right? I got relationship problems. I don't need to pray for it. I just need to kiss and make up. I just need to address the situation and take care of it. I can take care of it on my own, God. Thank you very much. And uh, it, it keeps us from connecting with God. And then the next one is, uh, is the religious spirit. This is the one that infects churches. Uh, we, again, it kind of goes back to the idea of having the, the, the ax without the ax head, and you're trying to do some work. We, the, the mission of Granite Creek Community Church is relationship and not religion. Why? I mean, it's kind of a simple saying, right? It makes sense. And it's what we really want. That's right, Josh. I don't like religion. I want relationship. I tell you something. Relationship with God is harder than religion. Religion is the easy way out. Relationship with God requires accountability. Relationship with God requires authenticity. Relationship with God requires you to be transparent with God and allow him in and allow him to work on you, allow him to work you over, and allow him to work through you. That is relationship with God. And he'll tell you stuff that you're not going to like about yourself. The Holy Spirit will hurt your feelings. Religion is easier because you can rattle off some rosaries, you can say some Hail Marys, you can come to church, you can give your 10%, your 10% and you're done. And you're done. And you feel like you're good. But you're not. So relationship, you know, the religious spirit comes in and says, all right, um, I don't want to have a real conversation with God, therefore I'm going to work really hard and make myself super busy and I'm going to lie to myself, I'm going to lie to other people that I'm super spiritual when I'm actually not. It's, it's a difficult trap that we, that we fall into. Relationship is mean, nasty, ugly, condescending. There's no love in it. Did I say relationship or religion? Okay. Religion is mean, nasty, condescending. No, relationship is what we want. Relationship is where God will actually love us despite ourselves. And sometimes that love is painful. Sometimes that love will tell us stuff that we don't want to know. But that is, that's the key. That is the key to reconnecting with God and in that in area of intimacy and that spiritual sharpness that we all desire, that we all want back. All right, so what do you got to do? You have, uh, you, have to, you have to confess. You have to say, look, I've lost my spiritual sharpness, and you've got to acknowledge where you've lost it. You maybe need to go, okay, who, what, when, where, why? Why did this happen to me? And it could be these issues. And maybe you just don't know what it is. Yeah, this is just a handful, but there's other things that disconnect us from God. We get hurt by people. We get hurt by church. Uh, we get, you know, disillusioned with, I don't know, life in general. You know, things didn't work out the way that we thought that they were. We deal with anger. We deal with guilt. We deal with frustration. All of these things can disconnect us from God. And uh, we have to ask ourselves, which one's true for me? And... realize that God didn't go anywhere. I went somewhere. Something happened along the way, and it's illegal for me to blame God. 
Something disconnected me from my spiritual sharpness, whether it was any of these things that I rattled off. And I'm telling you, as a friend, it's not God's fault. It's not the church's fault. It's your fault that you're not connected to God. Don't you... (laughs) This is one of the best excuses for people not engaging in church. I just, I just don't trust church. Therefore, I don't trust God. That makes absolutely no logical sense, but that's what people do. Oh, I got, I got hurt in Bible study once. I got somebody embarrassed me publicly once. Therefore, uh, God is not a good guy. Right? We do this. And we have a misconception of who God is based off of our experiences, whether it's religious experiences or life experiences. And so we think that our our interpretation of God the Father, it's more like the Godfather. He's not a heavenly father. He's the Godfather. And if you don't do what he says, he's going to break your legs. He's going to punish you. But he's a heavenly, loving father. And the distance that gap between you and God, it's not his fault. And it's even not the fault of the people that hurt you. You're responsible. You're ultimately responsible for how close you are to God. But Josh, you don't understand who my spouse is. My spouse is keeping me from closeness with God. No, it's not. It's not true. It is a, it is a lie from the devil. You are ultimately responsible for how close you are to God. All right. The final step in recovering your spiritual sharpness or your vitality is that you've got to, you've got to reach out and you've got to receive it. The great part about this weird Bible story is that um, it's an axe head, a piece of technology at the bottom of the, of the river in the muck and the mire. And it's divinely raised up to the top. You know, this young man's freaking out. What am I going to do? I borrowed this from the Godfather. He's going to break my legs. Okay, how many people have uh, borrowed something extremely expensive and either broken it or lost it. There's a, <laughs> a few honest people. It's a, it's a really awkward situation to be in. And, you know, I think I missed a point. Um, I did. I got it. My page is mixed up. Okay, third point. Um, we have to, the third point on, on getting closer to God, re- recovering that spiritual sharpness, is that you have to expect God to restore it. This is the hardest part. The other two points are, you know, they're, they're personal choice, free will issues that you, have to, that you have to deal with. They're completely relying on you. But the third part is you have to expect God to restore it. So the restoration that happened in this young man's life was this axe head that floated up to the top and, and, and was floating on the water. This is a miraculous, supernatural intervention. It was Elijah, I, don't, I can't speak for the young seminary student, but Elijah expected this axe head to come up to the top and float on the, on the river. He took, takes a stick and he breaks it off and he drops it in the, in the water and it floats up. What's the stick mean? No one really knows. Commentary says that it's a symbol of the cross and you know, the, the iron axe head is a symbol of, of the machine, right? the technology. So there's the, the competing things there. Uh, but we don't really know. Was there, was there magic in the stick? No, there wasn't. It was just Elijah's uh, saying, okay, this is my symbolic representation of God coming in and intervening in your situation. And he raises this axe head up to the top. And so we've, this is the hardest part because it requires faith. 
This is the faith step. The other two things are practical steps. This is the faith step. You have to actually believe that God can come in and supernaturally save your situation. If you can save your situation with your own power, then it's not faith. And a lot of us are facing very difficult, impossible impossible situations. And the hardest thing is to allow God to do something supernatural in our lives. It requires faith. And if our communication with God is low, if our faith muscle is weak, it's very difficult to allow God to do something that supernatural. Do I believe this is literal? Yeah, actually I do. I believe this is a literal thing that happens. Um, God, this is why this, this documentary is so important for us to see as a church. Um, miracles, you can have a miracle in your life, but most miracles um, go against the laws of nature. Well, that doesn't make sense. I know. God knows. So most miracles will go against the very laws of nature. So what seems impossible in your life? Do you have an impossible situation in your life? Can you expect a miracle? Uh, Jeremiah 15, 19 says, The Lord says, If you return to me, I will restore you so that you can continue to serve me. That is a promise from the Bible. If you return to me, I will restore you. So we have to allow God to restore us. All right, last point. Number four is that we have to reach out and receive it. The, okay, so God intervenes with a miracle, saves the situation, raises an iron to the top of a lake, a river, and then says, you got to go out and get it. If God can supernaturally raise an iron from the muck and mire of a, of a riverbed and have it float on top of the water, why can't he also just supernaturally attach it back to the axe head so the guy can get to work? No. There has to be that action. The boy needed to take, he needed to make a physical move and he needed to grab that axe head. It was, he was participating. So you gotta go and get it. Go get that axe head. And a lot of times, God does these miracles in our lives. They are there. there. It's on a platter right there for us to receive it. Yet we choose not to receive God's provision. How much pain could you avoid if only you would have received God's grace in an area of your life? How much more brilliant would your life be if you all you would have said, okay, that's a miracle, I'm gonna get it, and you go and get it. That's what God wants us to do. There's an active part in grabbing that ax head. All right. I wanna take one more look at Revelations chapter two, verse through, uh, four through five again. Um, The love you had first lost is gone. Remember how, you, how far you have fallen. Return to me and change the way that you think and act and do what you did at first. So here's the other part. When you realize that you have lost your love, you need to change the way that you think. It's back to the, the, the uh, recovering your mind. And you need to change the way that you think and the way that you act then you need to go back to doing what you were doing when you were sharp with God. It's like marriage. You know, I am in a relationship with my wife, but I could easily transform that relationship into a religion if it becomes routine, right? You know, we get up in the morning, we wash our clothes, you know, we go through the routine, we kind of just live together, but there's no love. There's no affection. And so how do, I, how do I reconnect with my wife? Well, I have to go back and remember what it was about her that I fell in love with in the first place. I have to actually think differently about the relationship. I have to act differently about the relationship. And I need to go back to doing what I was doing when we were dating. You know, stupid little notes on the car and flowers and things like that. 
You have to continue to get to do what you used to do. And the same is, with, the same is true with God. What did you used to do for God that you just don't do anymore? Is it share your faith? Crack the Bible? Raise your hands when you worship? What is it you don't do anymore? It's a difficult question to ask. So you have to remember, and you have to return, and then you have to repeat. People that are connected with God, they're passionate about it. They want it. They desire it. Um, it's really kind of hard to explain. You really can't put love into a scientific box, can you? Can anybody explain to me what love looks like or how you get it? They all know that it's not chemistry. All right. All right, let's wrap this up. Okay. So back to Adam and an active God that is actively reaching down into history. He's actively reaching down into your life. He's the one that's connecting. Uh, we, we, get this, we get this all backwards, most people live their life trying to accomplish some goals, trying to find some purpose, trying to find some meaning. Maybe they do accomplish their goals. Maybe life is hard, whatever it might be. Most people will go on a spiritual journey, right? Do you know people that, that desire to go on this spiritual journey to either find themselves or find God? See, that's just not the way that it works. When... We go on this spiritual journey. We're looking for God. We go to God's house. We knock on the door. We let ourselves in. We barge into God's house. We think we have all the answers. We get the table out, as our pastor Bonky said, and we set our table for our God. But what scriptures tells us is completely different. Jesus describes how God the Father is. He says, God is like a shepherd who jumps over his pen and goes into the darkness and into the wilderness to recover one sheep. God is like an old lady who's lost his coin in her house and she scours it and she searches diligently to find that one lost coin. Chronicles says that God, his, his eye is searching to and fro throughout all of creation looking for you. How crazy is that? Okay, God knows where you're at. Like, like, if I go down to the mall and go inside the mall, God doesn't lose track of me. Oh my gosh, Josh went into the mall. I, I don't know, I can't see him anymore. He's probably going to Spencer's Gifts. What are we going to do? <laughs> so God knows where you're at. So what does it mean when God is searching for us? He's looking for us. He knows where you're at globally. Actually, what he's doing is he is searching your souls to see if there's any part of you that will respond to his love. And if there is, we've got relationship. So he's diligently searching your souls, looking for us. The true illustration, and again, Jesus illustrates it this way in Revelation. He says, lo, behold, I stand at the door and I am knocking really loud for you to open up. See, God is, Jesus is standing at our front door beating on it. Yet we think in our mentality, we got to go out and find him. That's not how it works. He's there. And he's always been there. This true spiritual journey is just opening up our own door and letting Jesus in. Instead of trying to go out and find his house, we just open up the door and let him in. And when he comes in, he gets into our kitchen. And he opens up our cupboards. And he gets into our linen drawers. And he pulls out a table. And he sets a table for us to sit at. Psalms 23. The Lord prepares a place for me at his table in, the front, of, in front of my enemies. That's awesome. The Lord prepares the table. All right, if I can have the band and the ushers come to the front. 
And as they're on their way up, this message was all about you, right? Why have you lost your spiritual edge? And if you haven't, like if you are, like if this is the best that you've ever been spiritually, if this is the closest that you've ever been close to God, that's awesome. If it's not, what are you going to do about it? But see, the Christian faith, the gospel message, it's, yeah, it's about you, but it's also about others. So on your, on your, on your bulletin there, if this is the closest that you've ever been to God, that's awesome. I guarantee 100% that there's somebody that you know that has lost their sharpness and their connection to God. And brothers and sisters have been walking with the Lord for a long time. You know who they are too. And some of us, we need to be praying for ourselves. We need to be crying out to God. We need to be running to God saying, restore my first love. Some of us need to be saying those types of prayers. But you also need to be thinking about your brother and sister that is going through the same thing that you're going through. Or worse, where they have lost their faith, where they just don't believe anymore. And I want you to write their name down. And I want you to make them a point of prayer in addition to yourself. If it's all myopic, if it's all about you, well, it's only going to get you as far as yourself. Let's pray. God, right now, we just thank you for this offering. We thank you for this church. And right now, I just pray that, uh, that you will bless us. And in the areas that, that we have been, we have ignored you, in the areas that we have been too busy and distracted, God, I pray that you will highlight those areas so that we can say, yeah, I need to deal with this, God. Help me. God, for those that are, feel so lost and so far from you, God, all they need to do is just cry out to you. So God, I pray that you will help us to cry out to you, that we will expect you to come in and intervene, God. We expect your power in our lives. God, for those that have hearts that are as heavy as an iron, God, I pray that you will resurrect them. Bless this offering in your name, Lord Jesus. Thank you.